Thank you for stopping by at the Movie Marquee. Our podcast reviews well-known movies and contains spoilers. The podcast may contain mature subject matter and mature language. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. Welcome everyone to the Movie Marquee. Today's showing is the 1994 second movie release by Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. With me as always is Ted. Pretty please, with sugar on top. Clean a fucking car. And Ken. Just because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. And we have a special treat for our listeners today. We have our special celebrity guest all the way from Virginia, my brother, Adam. But the gimp's sleeping. That's right. Say hi, Adam. Hey, everyone. How you doing? There we go. He's a big movie buff, knows his uh, knows his movies, and has nothing to plug. So You better wake him up, then. Absolutely nothing. That's right. Better wake up the gimp. <laughs> and I am Eric. Hamburgers, cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. All right. Especially the Royale with cheese. I've had one before in Germany. That's right. Very cool. Uh, the metric system. They wouldn't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, this movie is just so loaded with such great lines, man. There's there's so many to pick from. It's hard not to. So let's kick off Pulp Fiction here. Uh, Ted, talk about some of the particulars of this one. All right, so we got Pulp Fiction. It was directed by Quentin Tarantino with a screenplay by Quentin Tarantino. It has a running time of 154 minutes. It had a release date of October 14th, 1994. It had a budget of $8 million and a box office gross of $213.9 million. And Pulp Fiction, of course, stars Uma Thurman as Mia Wallace, John Travolta as Vincent Vega, Harvey Keitel as Winston the Wolf Wolf, Ving Rhames as Marcellus Wallace, Samuel L. Jackson as Jules Winfield, Bruce Willis as Butch Coolidge, Amanda Plummer as Honey Bunny, Maria de Medeiros as Fabian, Peter Green as Zed, Eric Stoltz as Lance, Quentin Tarantino himself as Jimmy Dimmick. Christopher Walken as Captain Coons, Tim Roth as Pumpkin, Frank Whaley as Brett, Rosanna Arquette as Jody, and Angela Jones as Esmeralda Villalobos. So we're looking at this thing 25, 26 years in the future here. That's a pretty damn impressive cast, if you Mm -hmm. think about it. I mean, that's a pretty impressive cast that they got there. Uh, Movie brought Travolta back from the dead. Yes, no, 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 no. Look who's talking, dude. Oh, oh yeah, of course. In respect. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, Ted, what do the, uh, the critics think of this one? No big surprise. The critics' score is a 92%, which makes it certified fresh. The audience score comes in at a 96%. Finding negative reviews for this was actually pretty difficult. There were a couple of people who I did find that were of some repute. We have Derek Malcolm of The Guardian. He said, Pulp Fiction has most of the virtues of his genre, except that peculiar passion that invariably lies behind the best of them. Because that, it can often seem both empty and retrograde. I don't know what he's... He must have watched a different movie. Adam Mars Jones from The Independent UK. 
He said Reservoir Dogs still looks like the great American film of the 90s. But Quentin Tarantino's second film as writer-director shows him already deep in the territory of self-parody. I don't understand that, but okay. On the positive critic side, I mean, it's a who's who. We'll start off with Janet Maslin of the New York Times. We've talked about her before. She said, a triumphant, cleverly disorienting journey through a demimonde that springs entirely from Mr. Tarantino's ripe imagination. A landscape One of those $10 of, words, huh? Exactly. Yeah. A landscape of danger, shock, hilarity, and vibrant local color. Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle had one of the better lines. He said, it's a, it's the movie equivalent of that rare sort of novel where you find yourself checking to see how many pages are left and hoping there are more, not fewer. Michael Wilmington from the Chicago Tribune. This movie gets its charge not from action pyrotechnics, but from its electric barrage of language, wisecracks, and dialogue from the mordant 70s classicism of its long-take camera style and its smart, offbeat, strangely sexy cast. One of the most praiseworthy reviews, of course, came from Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times. Here's just a small snippet from his review. Quentin Tarantino is the Jerry Lee Lewis of cinema, a pounding performer who doesn't care if he tears up the piano as long as everybody's rocking. His new movie, Pulp Fiction, is a comedy about blood, guts, violence, strange sex, drugs, fixed fights, dead body disposal, leather freaks, and a wristwatch that makes a dark journey down through the generations. The very lack of caution and introspection that makes Pulp Fiction crackle like an ozone generator. Here's a director who's been let loose inside the toy store and wants to play all night. If the situations are inventive and original, so is the dialogue. A lot of movies these days are flat, functional speech. The characters say only enough to advance the plot. But the people in Pulp Fiction are in love with the words for their own sake. The dialogue by Tarantino and Avery is off the wall sometimes, but that's the fun of it. It also means that the characters don't all sound the same. Travolta is iconic. Jackson is exact. Plummer and Roth are dopey lovey-doveys. Kaitel uses the shorthand of the busy professional. Thurman learned how to be a mole by studying soap operas. It is part of the folklore that Tarantino used to work as a clerk in a video store, and the inspiration for Pulp Fiction is old movies, not real life. The movie is like an excursion through the lurid images that lie wound up and trapped inside all those boxes on the blockbuster shelves. Tarantino once described the old pulp mags as cheap, disposable entertainment that you could take to work with you and roll up and stick in your back pocket. Yeah, and not be able to wait until lunch so you could start reading them again. Two things. One, a comedy. And two, that's a snippet? What the heck? Is, what, what, I think a snippet is like a few lines. That was like, what did you read from a book? It's a comedy. That's the entire review. They don't think it's a comedy? There's no, parts of this movie that are freaking hilarious. Yeah, funny, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, it, I don't think it's, it's not a comedy. It's no. not a comedy. It's not a comedy. He didn't say it's a comedy. He says it yes, has he did. Well, based on what you read, you said it, it was a comedy. That has comedy parts to it. You go back and read your first line where you said he says it's a comedy. The words of Roger are law. Yeah. His new movie, Pulp Fiction, is a comedy about blood, guts, yeah, uh, okay. So, comedy about bloods and guts. There, I consider it drama. There is parts of it that are very funny, though. 
No, I but, totally agree with you on that. I just, and I, as as far as this movie goes, too, with the critics, just to further hammer home the point, how immensely successful this movie was critically and through the audience, out of 186 top 10 lists, but from the critics across, I'm assuming, America and Europe, out of 168 of them, 79 of them put this as the number one movie of 1994. Mm. It was the same so, critics, though, that probably liked Rocky, too. Uh, that's sorry, why, so. Forrest Gump is clearly the number one movie. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I. Ironically enough, number 94 on AFI's top 100. I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it a little... AFI. That's a yeah. little low. I don't know if uh, it is uh, low. It's low. It might, be, it might be a little high. No. This movie was a game changer. Absolutely. Change hey, Uma Thurman's hairdo. All right, Ken, go into the plot. Be Good fun. luck with that. Smoke them if you got them. Here we go. Yeah. Jules and Vincent are hitmen that arrive at apartment to retrieve a briefcase for their boss, gangster Marcellus Wallace, from a business partner named Brett. After Vincent checks the contents of the briefcase, Jules shoots one of Brett's associates. He recites a passage from the Bible, and he and Vincent kill Brett for trying to double-cross Marcellus. They take the, the briefcase to Mark's house and wait while he bribes boxer Butch Coolidge to take a dive in his upcoming match. The next day, Vincent purchases heroin from a drug dealer, Lance. He then shoots up and drives to meet Marcellus's wife, Mia, having agreed to escort her while Marcellus is out of town. They eat at Jack Rabbit Slim's, a 1950s themed restaurant. At the restaurant, they take first place in a twist contest. Back at Mia's home, Mia finds Vincent's heroin. And snorts it, mistaking it for cocaine. She suffers an overdose. Vincent rushes her to Lance's house, where they revive her with an injection of adrenaline into her heart. Vincent then drops Mia off at her home, and the two agree never to tell Marcellus about the incident. Vincent can't tell him anyway, he's dead. Butch bets the bribe money on himself and double-crosses Marcellus, winning the bout but accidentally killing his opponent in the ring. Knowing that Marcellus will send Hitman after him, he prepares to flee with his girlfriend, but discovers she has forgotten to pack a gold watch passed down to him through a couple of assholes. Literally. Returning to his apartment to retrieve it, Butch makes some Pop-Tarts, and then Butch notices a submachine gun on the kitchen counter, and then he hears the toilet flush. When Vincent exits the bathroom, Butch shoots him dead and departs. Then Marcellus spots Butch stopped at a traffic light. Butch ramps his car into him, leaving both of them injured and dazed. Once Marcellus regains consciousness, he draws his gun and shoots at Butch, chasing him into a pawn shop. As Butch gains the upper hand and is about to shoot Marcellus, Maynard, the shop owner, captures them at gunpoint and binds and gags them in the basement. Maynard and his accomplice, Zed, take Marcellus into another room and begin to rape him, leaving the gimp, a silent figure in a bondage suit, to watch over Butch. Butch breaks loose and knocks the gimp unconscious. Instead of fleeing, he decides to save Marcellus. He kills Maynard and frees Marcellus, who shoots Zed in the crotch with Maynard's shotgun. Marcellus informs Butch that they are even and to tell no one about the rape and to depart Los Angeles forever. Earlier, after Vincent and Jules have killed Brett in his apartment, another man bursts out of the bathroom and fires at them, but by a miracle, he misses. After briefly checking themselves for wounds, Jules and Vincent shoot him dead. While driving away with Brett's associate Marvin, Jules professes that their survival was a miracle, which Vincent disputes. Vincent accidentally shoots Marvin in the face, 
killing him and covering Vincent and Jules and the car in blood and brains in broad daylight. They hide the car at a home of Jules' friend, Jimmy, who demands that they deal with the problem before the, his wife, Bonnie, comes home. Marcella sends a cleaner, Winston Wolf, who directs Jules and Vincent to clean the car, hide the body in the trunk, dispose of their bloody clothes, and take the car to a junkyard. At a diner for breakfast, Jules tells Vincent that he plans to retire from his life of crime. Jules is convinced that their miraculous survival at the apartment was a sign of divine intervention. While Vincent is in the bathroom, a couple, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, hold up the restaurant and demand Marcellus's briefcase. Distracting him with its contents, Jules overpowers Pumpkin and holds him at gunpoint. Honey Bunny becomes hysterical and points her gun at him. Vincent returns with his gun aimed at her, but Jules defuses the situation. He recites the biblical passage again and allows the robbers to take the cash and leave. Jules and Vincent leave the diner with the briefcase in hand. The end. All right. Well read, Ken, as always. Let's talk about the first time we saw this movie. Uh, we'll kick it off with uh, Ken. When's the first time you saw it? Cable? Yes, Cable. Shocking. All over the place. I yeah. watched it like bits here, bits there. I was really confused by this movie because I always seem to miss the part where Travolta gets killed. I always seem to skip over that part whenever I come into the movie. So when I get to the end, I didn't realize he died. It was like years before I realized that he got killed when I finally was able to watch it straight through. Very cool. For me, I actually still have my original VHS copy I bought from Blockbuster in the mid-90s, which is when I saw it. Still great. How about you, uh, Ted? My wife sold my VHS copy. At I'm a yard so sorry. Sale. Yeah. It would have been 1994 or right after the Oscars in 1995. I can remember it was on a weekend. It was like being hit over the head. I couldn't even believe what I had just watched. Okay. And I immediately rewatched it again. Really, essentially, my life in movies, like a couple of different phases where it's before 2001, A Space Odyssey, then that period of time after, but then after Pulp Fiction. Because I don't watch movies the same way after Pulp Fiction. It changed everything for me. It opened up a an entirely new world as far as my love of movies goes. Was this director first or was it Stanley Kubrick that changed how you looked at movies? Which one was first? It would have been Tarantino and then Kubrick. Because I came to Kubrick a little bit after Tarantino. And it was actually Pulp Fiction that got me to watch Kubrick's movie, The Killing, which is one of Kubrick's first movies, which Tarantino loved a lot. That's when I got deep into Kubrick. I mean, I of course, I had seen The Shining and I had seen Full Metal Jacket, but I had not been deep into Kubrick until after Tarantino. Like I said, I watched The Killing, which is one of my favorite heist movies of all time now. It tells the story in a nonlinear way, like Pulp Fiction. Cool. Adam, how about you? Well, well. apparently I'm an OG hipster because yeah. I saw it in the theater. Look at you. Uh, Lucky. Granted, I was 15 years old. Similar to what Ted said, it blew my mind. There's only a few movies that I remember that changed like movie-going experiences, and this was the first one. Biggest scene, we'll jump in this later, of course, but I've never reacted away in my entire life in a movie theater when the gym scene happened. <laughs> Specifically, and like I said, we'll go into this later, I know this. The Bruce Willis escaping scene. Like, I'm a huge horror movie fan. I've watched all kinds of crazy shit. 
But this scene, when him going to escape and then he realized, oh, I got to save Marcellus, 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 and then looking at each weapon, I mean, it, my heart was pounding. Like, it was insane. And, and very few movies have done that. And I'll admit, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs till after Pulp Fiction. Me too. You know, I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater. Yeah. Blew my mind. I've never seen a movie like this in my entire life. And I went right to see Reservoir Dogs. Had I seen Reservoir Dogs first, I'd probably be like, oh, okay, this isn't as insane because it's, you know, not similar movie, but similar in the sense of, how they mix around and whatnot. But yeah, that was, seems to be a common trait. Nuts. I know for me and a lot of people, we saw Pulp Fiction first and then Reservoir Dogs. So you're 15. Like this is a hard 15. R. Don't tell mom. I was going to say, mom, I'll, be, I'll be sure not to because I know she's a, an avid listener to my podcast. How, how'd you get in the theater? I don't know. Man, they just honestly. didn't charge you. You just rolled in. I wasn't accompanied by an adult. Right, right. <laughs> it must have been. I want to say Eric B. was there. Shouts out to Eric B. There you I go. Think, I think it was him and I. Maybe chad not, I, not I, eric b yeah. and rakeem right this is your friend eric no, b no, yeah. that's, that's eric what b. i was thinking beat. there eric yeah that's i'm sure awesome. you his were same is, sure you were yeah. <laughs> i wish no his last name is b-e-e it was nuts there's only so many movies that blew my mind and that was definitely one of them okay actually the first one i'll say the first one this is one of those rare cases too like there are certain movies i'm glad that i seen them at the age that i did pulp fiction is one of those rare movies that i wish i could do the men in black flashy thing and i could see it and experience it again for the first time no and absolutely one of the only movies that i would do that too even um, with 2022 eyes yes years, I should say. because this movie is just it's so awesome yeah but it like ken's saying 2022 eyes man like you know i haven't watched this in years and the rewatch i did recently you know it's different it's not as i mean we're all desensitized right, right. you know 15 year old adam seeing that was like Holy shit. You know, now it's like, oh, that's nothing. Right. That's nothing. Like the gimp. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> this guy's getting fucked in the ass. And I'm like, what? You know, but now I'm like, oh, cool. I can Google that on Pornhub. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's all, it's totally yeah. different now. I, I so had guys so coming out of the box. No idea all dressed either. up in leather. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's wake like, the gimp oh, up. Yeah, like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, and how about that poor no gimp, idea. huh? Jeez. Yeah. He doesn't get a bed. He just gets a crate. Right. He's, like, locked it's up. A whole... I love how they, like, chain him up, yeah. you know, like, as if he's going to run away. Right. And he's all about guarding Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh. It doesn't make sense. What's the purpose of the gimp if he's not if he's not know, part of man. I That's for a different podcast. Fit in that trunk. <laughs> Explaining to Ken what the gimp is, I think, oh, yeah. is a no. whole other podcast. Well, I just don't know why he wasn't in the room with... The other two, because it seems like they are performing some kind of weird sexual act in there with. Because he's not Marcellus. Member, he's, he's, not, that's, so. he's, he's a slave. He, that's his his role is totally different. Yeah. yeah. And a guard dog, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not a very good guard dog, because once he gets well, no, released, he's he, can't, up. he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he's chained up and they got the zipper across his mouth. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hopefully, QT will be putting his stuff out on 4K soon. When he does, it's going to be a big deal. But Once Upon a Time is on 4K, obviously. Yeah, yeah that's the only one, though. But the old ones, they're none, of them, none of the other ones are. Mm-mm, not wow. yet. So I like the way this movie starts. I like the way it opens up in the coffee shop with uh, Pumpkin and Honeybee kind of discussing their relationship, what they've done in the past. You don't even know how this thing is going to go. I mean, it's completely into left field on how this thing goes. You think they're going to go right into some type of a, a robbery of, of the thing, and then it goes completely into something else. And I think it's cool. I like the way this movie is edited in this, this series of, of events, if you will. 
I like their demeanor. I like how it seems like a normal couple that just start talking about bank And she's so nice to the waitress, yeah. too, at the coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, she's like, oh, thank you so much. Then it yeah, turns, they are in love. Then it turns bad when he calls yeah. the waitress mm-hmm. Garcon. Garcon. Yeah. Garcon. <laughs> yeah, that's a but boy. But it's those little things like that. It seems like you're eavesdropping on a real-life situation. Definitely. Like, the waitress doesn't need to come up and say, well, Garcon means boy in French. But here it does. It's that that is so different. And it's like you're eavesdropping on these two people and they feel real. They don't feel like characters in this messed up play we're going to watch. It grabs you by the balls. They admit that they're going to get up and they're going to do this, but you don't expect her to get up and just point the gun out and just say, I'm going to execute every one of you motherfuckers. It's like, whoa. And then it immediately into the Dick Dale miserloo. Oh, yeah. It's the like, freeze. Yeah, wow, it's, it's awesome, man. Dude. Grant, all I see is Rose from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, great movie. <laughs> yeah. You know you're in for something different. Because the first time we see it, you're like, okay, these two characters, this is going to be the two characters we're going to follow. Right. And immediately, exactly. you're, immediately you're right on to two new characters. Yeah, yes. we don't see them until the end. Yeah. Right. It's, like you said, it's a nonchalant conversation. Of just robbing liquor stores and whatnot, yeah. And you go into the credits, and it's like them in the car with the radio on, and it's kind of changing channels yeah. a little bit until then. You have the conversation be between yeah, uh, a little cool in the gang, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's like a thing because like in Reservoir Dogs, it's the radio, it's this K Billy Super Stephen Signs Wright, of the seventies, right? yeah, Stephen Wright, Stephen yeah. Wright, <laughs> yes. And then you're in the car with Jules and Vincent. Here again, we're right into another conversation. That these two dudes are just having in a car about yeah. some like, one guy's like, who, experience. Who are these two guys in black suits talking about? Oh, yeah. You know his time in Amsterdam. It's like, what? What yeah, does this right. have to do with the movie? It, it's, it's like Vinnie Barbarino doing. Vinnie Barbarino right, exactly. doing here, right? Yeah. Why was this guy in Amsterdam? I have theories. At the end, on that. we can only think about what well, it's Quentin Tarantino was in Amsterdam. Exactly. Another reason that makes this movie so amazing is these crazy little conversations. It's the conversation about just a random thing about what they call different fast food items in other countries. And now, Royale with cheese, it's in the lexicon. People no, use it every absolutely. all the time. Like I said, I was I was in Germany, and my ass ordered one. <laughs> and it's like, they're looking at me like this fucking American. Here we go. Sure enough, they had mayonnaise. Mayonnaise and fries. Like yeah. the same thing in Europe. It's, it's, I was, yeah, I was oh. that guy. I went to McDonald's in Germany on purpose. And then I used a credit card and they fucking blew their minds because they hate credit cards. Oh, really? <laughs> they had to go in the back and get a reader. Oh. He like rolled his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. what are they? Was, what are they? Cash? They euros? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All just, euro? Yeah, cash. And I'm like, I whip out a credit card. And it, like literally the guy walked all the way in the back of McDonald's and grabbed a car reader. So oh, I can wow. do it because I'm the guy with a credit card. After yeah, spitting your food. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is a while ago. That's the I mean, mayonnaise. It might now. Yeah, I can't the speak on behalf now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something different. It's a fun conversation. It's enjoyable between the two. You feel like you're part of the conversation. And I think that's what I like about Tarantino movies is when they're talking, you feel like you're that third wheel. You're not adding into the conversation, but you are part of the conversation because they're allowing you to listen to it. And we see that even at the end when they're back in the restaurant talking about the breakfast. And mm-hmm. they have some somewhat of a brotherly type of oh, yeah. conversations going on throughout the whole movie, which... I don't know if they were paired up before because, you know, he was gone for a while. I don't know if they're now they're just back together or if they're brand new. We don't, I don't really think know. so. Yeah, I wonder. Because he says, remember, he says, like, oh, you're lightening up. Vegas says that to, to Jules. So I wonder mm-hmm. if they're fairly new together. You know, I don't know. 
Yeah. Because Vega's been gone. Yeah. There's a rapport that they seem to have with each other, that they're comfortable with each other to talk about things. And, of course, you get the iconic Tarantino shot from looking up out of the trunk. trunk. Right. I was waiting for a body the first time I saw it. I was like, should have brought shotguns. Should have had shotguns. We definitely should have shotguns. I love the conversation that they have, too, as they're just walking up to the apartment. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just shooting the shit about nothing, waiting for the exact time to knock on the door. They like they wait like that's too early. And they like yeah. really finish their conversation yeah. with foot massages. Two more minutes and then come back. They take yeah. thirty seconds to walk away and then they come right back. Like, <laughs> what? What was thirty seconds? I like, mean, but what's you know, yeah? But like, what's, they know they're going to kill people. Yeah, but what's cool is you as the viewer. It's almost like you're confused too because you're still at the door and you yep, watch exactly. them go through the other door and, to yeah. finish their right, conversation. Yeah. And it's like these guys took a pause before they went in to do their business <laughs> to finish this conversation. Here's the question for I was going to ask the same here's thing. Here's the dude. question though for you guys. Do you agree with Vincent or Jules when it comes <laughs> to the foot massage? Uh totally Vincent. I have to agree with Vincent. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I understand, yeah. I understand where Jules is coming from. It's not on the same Tossing ballpark, a guy right? out of a four-story window. Not, the, not even the motherfucking same sport. That's, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the dialogue. The dialogue yeah, here is brilliant. so awesome, too. It's, and like I said, Vegas says it. He's like, would you give a dude a foot massage? And then he looks at you, fuck There you, you go. And he just says, fuck when You, fuck you know he, he he's lost the conversation. <laughs> because that's how you talk to your buddies. Once you've got that guy to pause, your buddy to pause, and he looks at you and says, fuck you. You know that you've just, you've just won. Yeah. And like, he keeps digging after that. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of tired. <laughs> You're laying um, your hands on a, uh, somebody's wife yeah, in a absolutely. familiar way. Yeah. Exactly. Outside of a family member, that's going to be sensual or sexual, either one. I mean, so, I so, if, so if we rubbed Ted's wife's feet, he would, might get upset. I probably he hasn't yet. He hasn't oh, yet. Wow. He might. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this also introduces one of Tarantino's <laughs> other things, which is the He's foot like, fetish. Fuck you. Yeah. Hey, Southwest so, tickets. I can be there. Yeah. yeah. I got the lotion. Um, <laughs> it puts the lotion on the skin. Or it gets the hose again. <laughs> um, so it's one of the first times that I experienced this in a movie. That's like how you talk to your friends. Real life dialogue. It's not. Absolutely. It's not this contrived storytelling back and forth that I love in the movies. This guy speaks the same way that I do. It's when almost I'm, like he's ad-libbing. Right. When, I'm in, when I'm in real life, I say fuck all the time. That's how I was when I saw this. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is how I talk. And the great thing about this conversation is they go back and forth yelling at each other, screaming at each other. But at the end, when it's time to share a cab, they're like, I, I want to go out for breakfast. And you, you know, right. he's like, yeah, let's go out to breakfast. They went through all that crap, mostly of what Vincent <laughs> caused by shooting the guy in the head. Yeah. Which I mean, we'll get to, face. which is one of the funniest things in the yeah. world. Uh, I shot Martin in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I shot Martin. <laughs> but That's I mean, like the craziest day ever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that relationship like, that you get to see there where they go out for breakfast after everything now, they is went that the through. First, do you think that's the first breakfast they had? No, I don't think so. You think that was the first invite? Yeah, I think so. Because the way, the, so. way, the way Travolta ass and the way, I don't know. That's yeah, because the, the way he, asks, he doesn't eat swine. That's something you would know of a friend yeah, kind of early. I feel like True. going back to the relationship. True. Like, they're probably kind of fresh with each other. You know, like Vega being back from Amsterdam. I think it's, that might be the first time they actually hung out outside of work. Yep. Maybe it's a Bonnie moment with the Bonnie incident. You know, everything yeah. went down. <laughs> I don't know. 
And there's always Travolta's in the bathroom when gunplay is like. Oh, oh absolutely! It's like reading always... like old French comics or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is it a pulp novel? I think it's a. I think it's like a French old French. Like, okay. I, I might have listened to it a long time ago. Yeah, I think it's like a French comic. But I could be wrong. And then after you've had this really interesting conversation, it's like okay, the, it can't keep up this pace, right? And then they go into the, I guess, the apartment of go in the apartment, talk to Brett. Brett. Yeah, another and, conversation. Yes, this is a movie right. of conversations. Oh my, yeah, dialogue, man. You know these guys; they have guns. It's the old um, Chekhov's rule: Chekhov's gun. They're not going to show the gun and not use it. Yeah, they're there to to do some damage. And they're wearing suits. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Travolta's got a bolo tie. <laughs> right, he means business. And the Jerry curl. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, originally he's supposed so to have awesome. an afro on that. Yeah, they, yeah. they brought yeah, the yeah, wrong yeah. wig out. How about he's that? Like, I love it. Yeah. How I about it? it. Yeah, what like, an awesome coincidence. Yeah, the what ifs. Happened. Yeah, the way Jules brings everything out, he puts you, the viewer, and these guys that are talking there, who they know they're in deep shit. The moment Jules and Vincent walk in, they know the shit's going down. But you as the viewer, all of a sudden he puts you at ease. It gets me every time he sits there and he shoots the guy on the couch. Whoa. And he actually lifted his leg up prior. Yeah. yeah. He walked up. He's like, no, no, no relax. He's like, yeah. he, puts his leg, he actually grabs his foot yeah. and puts it on the couch. I don't it's... understand the reason for killing some of them, but not Marvin. Marvin. Yeah. Marvin. Why, did this... they re- why did they save his life? Marvin has some sort of working relationship between Marcellus Wallace and these guys, whether Marvin was the guy who introduced Brett and flock of seagulls and then hand cannon to Marcellus Wallace to get the a deal done. Yeah. Everyone else uh, is expendable. Right. Clearly. Well, he ends up being expendable too. Cause he gets shot in the, you know, well, face. sure. Right. But it was, yeah. it was an accident. He probably ran over a bump. Over or a bump. Yeah. And I have some questions about, Vincent's ability to be a hitman because he doesn't seem to be a very good one. Maybe that's why he had to go to Amsterdam because he effed up a hit situation and had to lay low for a while because it seems like he's not very bright in some aspects. That scene seems to be one of them. I just think Vincent is kind of stupid a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, I got I got number of examples as we go down this movie, but this scene is great. I'm talking about the burger, by the way. Of Vince's and, stupidity, you have a number of scenes to uh, talk oh, about? Oh, I have a number of scenes about his stupidity, yes. Okay. But I, I love the burger. I love talking about the. I love the fact that he eats it and drinks his Sprite. He drinks but, the whole Sprite. Yeah, he yeah. does. <laughs> he does. But, the, by the way, just, does this Kahuna burger exist in California? No, it doesn't. That whole, like, alpha male dominance of him right. taking a bite of his burger and drinking that entire drink to stare yeah. him down. Yeah, it's yeah. like just setting it up. And how he asked, too. He's, like, very... Very polite. Yeah, polite. About it. Yeah. What? 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 Say what again? <laughs> Say what again? <laughs> and that's something I use now. When Michelle says what, I'll I'll start <laughs> I'll start to go into that. I'm like, what? Say what again? And then when she does it like more than once, do or you twice, speak English? Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? Okay. And you feel for Brett at that point because you're like, you what? And you don't know how they did, how they're deceiving him. You don't know why they kept the briefcase. Don't know what. No idea. Well, no, no, that's no idea. The inter- you don't know if he yeah. really deserves what he's about to get. That's the and inter- how cool is that scene when Vega opens up that suitcase? You got the cigarette dangling. It's I yeah, love it. it's he's just awesome. Like, he's like, yeah. And that's yeah. the introduction to the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. Yeah. The MacGuffin. And we get to see it one more time later on at the restaurant. We get to see yeah. it again. And it plays such a pivotal role in why these two guys are here 
and why they end up walking out of the diner. That's so cool because he pops it open and then the, the light comes on and it's like, we're cool. They got what what they came for. And he would think now the time for talking is done. But then Jules whips into the Ezekiel 2517. He's, he's got to do his shtick. Like, just like uh, Jack Nicholson is a joker. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like I like the sound of it. Right. Yeah. Do we talk about the MacGuffin now? Do we do we go into yeah, a little bit? Too. Let's bring it up. Let's do it. Like initial, your first watch ever. What did you think that it was? I just thought it was gold. To be honest, I did too at first, but Same I'm like, here. it's too light. Same here. It's something that's lighting up. Something bright. So the, yeah. the the major theme, or at least if you go on the internet, is oh, yeah. the fact that it's Marcellus's soul. But yeah, the band aid. I, I the would band-aid think, on I the band aid. Six six six. First of all, six, 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 yeah. how do you know what a soul looks like? To yeah. the reaction to it is not enough to <clears throat> exactly. see a soul. Tim Roth's like reaction to it is like. Wow, is that what I think it is? But if you open up a suitcase of gold, you know, yeah, or jewels, or but it'd be pretty heavy, though, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Now true. you you brought up jewels. This is that's one the of the theory. other theories that's been going around for a long time. That those are the diamonds that got from the robbery in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, oh. Vince Vegas brother, Vincent Vegas brother, Vincent Vegas brother. We do see Steve Buscemi. He's a waiter at Jackrabbit Slim's. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. He's Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Yeah. So maybe he served his time because we and do a very hear... angry Buddy Holly too. Did you notice exactly before the final shot? We do hear the in the background the police arresting Steve Buscemi's character. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could be the diamonds. But I don't know. When I first saw it, I was possessed by wanting to know what was in this. What's in the box? Exactly. What's in the box? Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Wow. Promises, promises. (laughs) My guess was that it was heroin. Vincent, the scene of him shooting up, he kind of has that reverence for the drug. And it would make sense if these guys are drug dealers. You don't know. But there's one more that I kind of like because of the fact that Quentin Tarantino is such a, a movie nut. They say this is just an homage to a movie called Kiss Me Deadly from 1955 where the same thing kind of happens. They open up the case and it glows. There's a glow about huh. it. That makes the end. Okay. And I think go. that's what it is. It's just an homage to that film. And that's why Quentin Tarantino doesn't really have probably an answer for it. It's probably just an homage, but he likes people to think about it just like Stanley Kubrick. I was going to say, it's like Kubrick. Leave it to in- interpretation, right? That's what Quentin has said throughout the years. What's in the briefcase is whatever you want to be in that briefcase. In that way, it's perfect. Even though it'll drive me crazy sometimes, and I'll get on a kick where I... It's the quintessential McGuffin. Exactly. And it's perfect. And you're 100% right, Ken, with the homage to the movie. That's what Quentin does the best. He knows how to take a movie genre, and this is film noir, and turn it on its head, just like he does... And Kill Bill, when he turns the karate movies, the kung fu movies, and turns them on their head. Or he takes, like, the spaghetti western and then makes it his own in Hateful Eight or uh, Django Unchained. Or, or his Bastards, World War Two, Right. And then the black exploitation movie, which is Jackie Brown. Uh, I mean, Jackie I Brown. love Jackie Brown. Love it. Come on, Jackie Brown. He knows how to do that. And at the end of the day, Quentin is one of us. He is a movie fanatic and he loves everything movies that's what makes him so cool 
but he's a terrible actor. He's not a good actor. Mm-hmm. You didn't like him as Jimmy? Hey. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, I liked him, um, though, in uh, From Dust to Dawn. I played that character. I, I, I liked him in From Dust to Dawn. I liked him in Desperado, too. The, the killing of Brett there, I don't know if I really like it ending there and cutting there. Cause like the flash? Like the flash? Yeah, and then yeah. just going to another scene. I don't know flash if I like gold. it. Just because when we come back to it later on, what we thought happened happens. Like, I was hoping that something else happened and them killing him. We knew he killed them. There was a random Arquette in the bathroom. Yeah. That dude, that guy looked like a store-bought Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he passed away yeah. in the last, like, five or ten years. He committed suicide. But, right. Um, oh, shit. Way to bring Alexis, it down, Alexis Arquette. Oh, we're talking well, about was, a movie about he was the fun, people, so. um, he was the He was the real funny singer in The Wedding Singer. Yes. yes. He's the one that was obsessed with the Do culture. Do you really club. want to hurt me? Oh, yep. he's George? Yep. Yeah. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Love that movie. That is a classic. That's right. Wow. I can see it now. We hear that Vincent's going to be taking Mia Wallace out on not a date. We have our first introduction to Butch Coolidge. Tony Rocky Horror, man. He got thrown out of a four-story window. <laughs> Went through glass. I mean, I'm glad if I had a speech impediment. If that's all I got out of that, that's probably a good thing. It's black and Samoan. <laughs> yeah. 400 pounds. <clears throat> when we open up here, we see Vincent and Jules are in much different clothes than when we left them. Walking um, into the restaurant or the bar or whatever. The, yeah, the strip club. Santa Cruz banana slugs. Yes, right. Yeah. 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 Guys look like um, dorks. Which looks a lot like the strip club that they were in in Reservoir Dogs, too. The lighting is bit. almost identical. A bit. It's that yeah. red. We get our first glimpse of Butch and Marcellus. Not right away with Marcellus. We only get to see the back of his well, head. We back see the back head. of his head, and that's where we get the Band-Aid on the back of the head. But we know that that's Marcellus, and he's setting up a fight, and we get to see the tense interaction between Vincent and uh, Butch. Old reference boxer taunts. Right, right. right. Yeah, totally. And it's all setting up to where they're needling him, uh, the bartender and Jules are needling Vincent about his nervousness over take uh, Mia out. After that, after we get the fact that we see how uptight Vincent is, we meet Eric Stoltz's character. Phenomenal Eric Stoltz in this. Yes, yes. Rocking the robe and the Speed Racer (laughs) t-shirt. Oh, yes. Perfect drug dealer stoner character and he's describing the different strands of heroin that he's gonna try to see selling vincent really is, doing the hardcore push for the the higher end one too for, for the madman yes yeah. yes yeah. Uh, wada, that wada cash he pulls out. yeah yeah we bought the madman uh probably mia would have been dead right on the spot he did that's why i thought yeah. he said yeah. he bought three thousand of the madman and then he said he if it's back. as good as he was says it he'll come back for another fifteen hundred. Uh-huh. So we know that shit on her face. Yeah, we know that Vincent has a drug problem here. So no, little bit. But of course, Travolta's a Scientologist. He doesn't take drugs. The way that he approached this, <laughs> just Travolta. Wait, quick, was he a Scientologist then? Yeah, was yeah. He oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like an OT eight or whatever that level. Oh yeah, oh, he's yeah. up there with Cruz. He's, he's like a brown belt. He's an OG eight. Like? Yeah. My my brother, a former Scientologist in a prior life. No, so, I just watched documentaries. Leah Ramini. So, <laughs> yeah, I've watched all of it. Yeah, I've watched that whole series too. <laughs> so have I. So have I. Hubbard, man. Before we talk further about the drug addiction, I just want to say when 
they're back at Marcellus's, Vincent and Butch meet for the first time, you know they're going to meet again. So I thought that you was a nice it. way to kind of oh, yeah. end oh, absolutely. that scene. Just dead cool. stare eyes. Yeah. Everything that Quentin does, there's a, there's a reason. There's nothing that's out of place here. The way Travolta approached this is he had somebody describe to him what shooting up was like. And the way the guy described it, he said, drink a bunch of tequila and then get into a, a hot bath. It's one of those crazy scenes that it almost feels very David Lynch-esque when yeah, he's in the, when he's in that car. Yeah. Rear projection. Yeah. Yes. Projection That's very car. David Lynch. It's, it's so different than anything else. It's like, oh, wow, we're on a trip here. He's romanticizing heroin. Oh, yeah, big time. Yes. And I like, like you just talked about, the projection background. I like it here oh. where I despise it later on in the taxi. Let me guess. But yeah. here, yeah. it yeah. works perfectly. Well, that's right. like more Hitchcock in the other scene because it's like black and white and the right, eyes. Right. And I just love the look on his face. The, the look on his face <laughs> is that of content. He's just cool. and It's like a little bobblehead that's driving his car. Just, it's just <laughs> yeah, little, little wobbling back and forth. Yeah, I don't know if you shoot up heroin, you could just drive a car like that. I mean, I've never yeah, probably not. Probably I, shouldn't. Yeah, I would but highly you probably doubt you shouldn't that. drive a car with a gun or, you know, in your hand when there's somebody in the back <laughs> seat either. Or your yeah. finger on the trigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get the sense, too, that he was so jacked up between jules and the bartender they've really messed him up over this oh yeah he's this preparing date. himself and that's yeah. what he has to do to to relax to be able to do this i think they did a good job of preparing him for this oh they needled the hell out of it when he has to choose either to stay or go he is choosing to go yeah, because he knows that he'll be killed. The next scene, we see him walking into Marcellus Wallace's house. And, of course, now mm-hmm. that's become a very famous gif of him looking both ways. But the it's, it's the intercom system. I don't get the intercom system. So, so well, it's on purpose. She, it's I a security it's system, if you will. It's, is it a, like, no, he talks, when, she can hear him. Yeah. But she answers yeah, him when he, when he talks. Yeah. So either she's reading yep. his lips yeah, or she she's hears reading him. his lips. Yeah. Because she has an entire she's... display of all this high-tech you know, high in 94 security system. I think she has mics. I mean, she's... I think it's more of a control thing. She's oh, yeah. got a very Sliver-esque uh, setup yeah. going on there. Sliver <laughs> reference. Yeah. So they just show her feet when she's walking in. So that's a, that little Sliver. Well, yeah. Foot, yeah. Yeah. Little about. did we know back then about the foot fetish. Mm. Yep. When I rewatch it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, and we start with the foot massage talk, too. He plays it so cool. I like Vincent here. I like Vincent I like with she me. Comes, yeah. she shows up, your wife shows up during the foot massage talk. I know, yeah. right? She shows right. up right for the foot massage Perfect part. timing. Uh-huh. Perfect timing, Michelle. Perfect timing. <laughs> and the way he's playing everything is just so smooth. And she does, too. She's never met this guy before. But then we go to one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. When they walk into Jackrabbit Slims. Oh, that place is amazing. Why this has not become a thing? Exactly. It doesn't exist. One thousand percent, Ken. I want to go to Jackrabbit Slims. Why? Because this movie, did this place not get... Exactly. You know, instead we get like Planet Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. Like it's just, Planet Hollywood. Yeah. You, you you get one like this, but you then you change it. You have certain like sections. One's the fifties. One's Dude, the sixties. Seventies. in a car. 80s. I know that's, that's yeah, awesome. Right? The whole idea is so cool. And of course, this is the most expensive set. They actually built yep. this up from the ground up. There's a throwback to American Graffiti, just to mm-hmm. name one movie. The references all through. I mean, of course, they talk about Buddy Holly as, as their Raider. waiter, but then they talk about Marilyn Monroe, James Dean. But there's Zorro. She had the night off. Right. Yep. She, as they're walking by, you see Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin 
Ricky Nelson is singing, and I yeah. Ricky Nelson, yeah, he's and on the soundtrack, course, right? Oh yeah, I enjoyed the song when they're coming in. I like it that's mm-hmm. not a full out impersonation, but it's a nice homage to that and style of music. And it's cool because then Mia does the square, and he does the outline of the square. I think that's always I always think that's pretty aka cool. a rectangle. Yeah, right. rectangle. Yes. It's a little dated. But, now milkshakes are more than five dollars. Five dollars, right? Yeah, I love, right. yeah. I love but, it. For being a Scientologist, he's a definitely a very good smoker on screen. Yeah, I don't know if smoking's yeah. a bad thing in Scientology. It is. I, I have no idea. He, he, Probably he can pull it off, man. I mean, it, yeah, he was. But crushing we it. all know with Scientology, you know, like with any. Uh, cult if you will or any type of corrupt organization it's a cult. Except who listen to this podcast we think it's a great organization oh yes yes so i respect the intelligence yeah yes yes oh david they, uh... cabbage please don't sue us yes right <laughs> david is listening where's your wife where yeah. is she? exactly right Fucker. i do like it when they order and they only have two choices of you know yes. how to cook the meat you know, there's yeah, no bloody, bloody bloody hell, or, and then you have the you know subtle the black and white milk yeah cake. amos and andy or dean yeah. martin and lewis we're put into a conversation, a real life conversation where it ends yeah, up with great. them being in an awkward silence, which happens. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, what do I say now? And it's like, happens again when they get back to the house, that's even more awkward. <laughs> and how upset she gets about the accusation that her husband killed the guy over a foot. He massage. didn't kill him. He put him in the hospital and fucked put him up in the hospital. Spoke. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Fucked up how he talks. Honestly, like, yeah, like you said, like just going back to all the Tarantino stuff, right? It's just regular people talking. And the way Vega, you know, Vincent handles it, like, yeah, he's, it's awesome. It's just a regular conversation. So natural. Yeah, oh. natural. There's both, or the comfortable silence. Yeah, I think it's, it's more it's natural normal. with John Travolta's character. Um, Vincent is more natural than I actually think Uma Thurman is. I think Uma oh, Thurman's yeah. is a little absolutely. bit forced, a little bit sure. acted, whereas John Travolta's kind of seems more natural. It reminds me of, like, Kevin Smith movies where, like, Kevin Smith dialogue, it's, mm-hmm. a lot of it's forced. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always think yeah. back like Mallrats yes. with yes, uh, yes. Landon. I forget which twin it is. It says like one, fifty words in one sentence. You know, it's yeah. very forced. So she has some yeah. of that. Whereas yeah. Travolta yeah. is very chill and she's a little it's... fast with how she talks it, and it makes it sound like it's not natural. She probably wasn't used to this wordy of a piece. I mean, because there's a, a lot of words here. Because it is, is a natural conversation. Here again, there's little parts of here that makes these people real like tangible real life and it's the whole idea of but you can't be offended if i ask this question and her reaction to that is like Uh-oh. you can't say yeah. that that's real life people talk like that it's like you can't but, be offended yeah. but yeah. the way she delivers yeah. that i think that line is forced i think that feels it, like it she's reading bit. off of like a cue card sure. almost to a certain extent but when we talk about real Let's talk about the dancing. I love the dancing mm. here because that is real. That's I love it awesome. when Travolta is on his tippy toes doing yeah. that dance. That looks like that could hurt. Dude. I'm not a dancer, but that looks can. like that You know when hurt. people take their shoes off yeah. for a dance competition? You know, it, you know it's real. It's, like it's yeah, happened. he's the time to get serious. All business. And but he danced and look who's talking, so I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the, and the but, thing across the eyes, that was like a big thing for people for a while yeah, after yeah. that movie came out. That's, Everybody was That's doing the that. Batman. Adam West does it better, though. It's the Batman. Burt Ward, a.k.a. Burt Young. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Eric's very happy that we were able to bring Burt Ward into this uh, <laughs> conversation. Right. Burt Young as Robin. I know that Saturday Night Fever is probably what people will say is like, the quintessential cool John Travolta. Not people of in the 20s and 30s. For me, Travolta will never be as cool as he is in that dance scene with Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, oh, I agree. Totally agree. Like that, his entire career? 
Yeah, he's so awesome. No, no Vinny Barrino strut? See, I love Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> I'm one of the few people who I've probably seen every episode of Cotter. I love but, Gabe Kaplan's jokes at the beginning of every episode. Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> yeah. But Travolta is cool here. Well, he's cool in this whole movie, movie, man. Yeah. And like, this uh, is like, you know, we talk about the comeback, right? I, you know, I, I'll joke aside that he's talking, you know, haha. But like, this is legit. And then afterwards, then you start getting the Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow Travolta right. is like, oh, he's a crazy bad guy. And then you get that right. every movie. Right, Face every Off. The same guy face Off, yeah. Oh, face Off is a fun it's, little movie. Oh, that's yeah. fun bad. Great. I don't think Vincent's character is cool throughout the whole movie. I think there's parts like here at the restaurant, he's extremely cool. When he's around Mia, he's cool, except for when he sees Mia later on, he has to like well, know that, that he had play. a good time. But my problem with him is more that I don't think he's just a very, I don't think he's a good hitman. I just think he's he I sucks agree. at his job. Yeah. He's probably not. He's, Jules runs a show and then when it comes right. to that duo. You know, yeah. He's the guy in the back every time. Yeah. Right. So. And Jules the reason why he gets the... killed is because Jules is retired. Well, yeah, that's one foot a out good the door point. he has. Yeah. Yeah. One... yeah, Jules is gone by then. Vincent, if Jules is there with him, this doesn't happen. Sword. Vincent will be in the bathroom and Jules will be there waiting with the gun. Who leaves the gun on the countertop? We'll get, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get long there. Crap. Complacency. Yeah, that's, complacency. Yeah, that's, we'll get that's there. just one it's... of many problems I have with Vincent. <laughs> Another human moment from Vincent. He's looking at himself in the mirror. He's like, you're going to go oh home, you're going to jerk off, and you're going to yeah. end the night, and you're not going to do anything with Mia. And then that's when we get the cutaway to her finding the baggie. You know she's been doing coke. We yeah. watched oh, yeah. her do coke. She did it before. God damn. Yeah. Why is she? God damn. God damn. <laughs> she powders her nose at Jack Rabbit Slims. You want to shout at her, don't do this. This is not what you think no. it is. When I enter the, her place... After the dance, I mean, they're they're very close now. Oh, yeah, yeah really close. close. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a little little tipsy. She's yeah. got her jacket on, right? Oh, His jacket, yeah. yeah. It's that's no Tony Rocky Horror. The awkward right there, silence. No, I like the fact that Vincent's in love here because he's in love. I really think so. He's, I think he's. It's I taking. Don't know. It's taking everything he has not to have sex with. I mean, she's put it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like she's unique. She well, later she's, on, when he sees her again, a woman like him, like her. No, or, you know but, I mean? yeah, and that's why I think he's in love because I think later on, when we see them talk again, when Butch escapes and they're trying to yeah, find out where quick. he, yeah. he's like this mm-hmm. little puppy dog talking to her, well, and she's like the boss is there too, though. But yeah. that's why she kind of like doesn't really acknowledge him much. Got to play cool, man. Got to play it cool. Got to play it which cool. He, which yeah. he's not Bonds. playing cool at that particular time. That's, That's what I'm true. saying. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually, I, he, I don't so. think he was expecting to see her. She caught him off guard. But, I mean, he's having a real-life moment. He walks out to the most terrific thing he could possibly he ever imagine. When you notice, too, when he walks out, he's like, I'm not, he's not going to have a drink, right? Because exactly. before he's going to have one drink, drink go home, go home. Drink off. But when he got, when he comes out, he's like, "Hey, I'm going to take off." Not even going to go there. Oh crap! You're drooling like, on the floor. How there. long was he in there? First of all, enough I mean, for her to just He likes his bathroom breaks. He, <laughs> it's yeah. like, he's like, yeah. "I got to take a piss." More like a right. shit because she's sitting there hanging out, dancing to Urge Overkill. Right. She starts snoring heroin. She fucking ends up falling. I mean, that's a long time, and he's tossing she, himself. I mean, if we're gonna hammer something a little bit, is the time it takes for her after she snorts it. I don't. I have no idea because I've, I've never been in you don't think heroin. I, 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 I was assuming... surprised to see her nose is bleeding like within five seconds. Well, you, yeah. you can snort heroin. 
Um, yeah, of course. That's, the first, anything, that's like the it first might be way the, you start the strong stuff and the fact that she had already done enough coke. Well, probably that that's the it, thing. But who the heck so, keeps a bunch of heroin in their jacket? Vince does. I guess Vince. Cause... And they're out of balloons. If it was a balloon, right. if, if it was, it was a, balloon, a balloon, she probably would have known better. Right. If she would have pulled out a balloon, she'd be like, oh, this ain't coke. This is heroin. And because Tarantino is the way he is, I guarantee you that's something that went through his mind. Oh, I'm sure. To set that up. Because yeah, he tried um, it first. <laughs> but I mean, the That's reason, but the reason that it's scene. more expensive is it's more pure. And she's never, probably never done heroin. No. So she immediately does like this massive speedball. It's too much. And let, yeah. let's face it, man. When her, hit, when her head Phoenix. hit the ground, she's dead. There is no way she is driving around in the car and they're, they're putting she, adrenaline in her drooling. chest. I mean, she's drooling. She's dead. She's No, I know, but I mean, realistically, and... she's done. She's and they're done. taking their sweet time deciding how to take care of her, like, and stab her in the heart. They're taking their sweet oh, ass time it. to revive her. She should have been dead. Get a sharpie. Get over. a sharpie. Yeah, get a sharpie. This, this, like, intense moment. this is the it. one part of the movie where you really have to suspend some disbelief. Sure. Because it all sets up this tension for one scene. And that whole scene leads to the shot of adrenaline into the heart. She she hugely wakes wakes up up like that. But the scene works because you don't think about that. You don't think about how maybe unrealistic it is. It's the building of the tension up to that point. And you feel the tension. The actors here are all great because they all are expressing this desperation. They're all screwed. Yeah, because if, if this she goes dies, wrong. they're done. I love his reaction when when Vincent asks him. He goes, "So what happens after I do it?" He goes, "I don't know. I'm just as anxious to find out as right, you are." Right? Yeah. <laughs> stab her three times is the best part. Of it. <laughs> yeah. So I stab her three times. He's like, "No, man." But that scene too. Like I was thinking about it, you know, rewatching. It, I was like, "Man, I mean, it's fucked up on Vincent's part. I mean, he's bringing." Still, thin Lance into this. If I have someone ODing, I'm going to go to my dealer. <laughs> and he, you know, and like, he crashes right. his car in front of his house. I right. Know oh, I so know, funny because right? I, I didn't notice. I, maybe I didn't notice back then. I don't remember. But the damage, I didn't realize. Because I, yeah. remember, I remember that scene when I was younger being cheesy, crashing. Like, I remember, like, imagining, like, a tire rolling or something like that, but it didn't happen. <laughs> so watching it this time, I'm like, oh, shit. When they actually showed, I'm like, damn, he fucked his house up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he did. And that car is not drivable. That's like, you know, Commando when they flip the Porsche over, like all of a sudden it's okay again. And he's worried about a scratch on the, that somebody keyed it earlier, and then yeah. he just right. I Butch did it. I think Butch. Did it. I I think Butch did. Yeah, that I think as well. so too. That seems nuts. He like drives him in. Like he's like, hey man, you know Marcellus Wallace is. You know what I mean? He like yeah. brings him into this problem. That's fucked up. There's many iconic scenes in the in the movie, but the iconic scene of them over her and stabbing her in the heart with the adrenaline. Dripping, say something. Yeah, dripping with the with it dripping off there, and how that all wraps up is really good, and it feels here again. It feels real. You come off of the tension of that whole scene. You get maybe the couple of minutes that it takes to have her go back into the house, and they agree never to speak of it. Vincent blowing her the kiss at the end is why I think he's in love. Hmm? It's, yeah. it's it's very affectionate the way he yeah, does it. Is. It's intimate. She tells a joke to him, right? Yes, because she's vulnerable at this point, right? G.O.D. She's back. She's not the cool chick. No, she's vulnerable as fuck. And this is the moment. And he helped her out. And she now opens herself up and provides that joke. And you're immediately then hit with Christopher Walken 
The walk um, in the ass. Well, this is the most <laughs> Christopher yeah. Walken. Oh there is nobody else who could deliver this soliloquy. <laughs> I mean, it's the best way to put call. it. It's like you hear him talk about like reading the script. This is like six pages long, and Christopher Walken nails this. The reason that it has to be Christopher Walken giving this speech is the Christopher Walken Dennis Hopper speech in True Romance, which is mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. part of that whole movie. Christopher Walken is perfect here. This all works because Butch is dreaming about this, but it also works for the audience because we get to understand how important the watch is to Butch. Everything that happens here is centered around his desire for this watch. None of this happens if the watch is in the hotel room. It's a very mundane thing where otherwise he has to go back for the watch and it's a disaster. Question (laughs) is, why doesn't he pack his stuff and then go to the boxing thing? Why does he rely on somebody else to pack up all his crap? This is one of the things I'm going to hate about the Bruce Willis character. Which is why he points that exact point out. Yeah, Yeah, right after he does his Ike Turner impersonation. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we get the Christopher Walken speech about how (laughs) how he had the the watch up his ass. And it's it's his dad's watch, so we know it's important. But Butch ends up killing some metal. <laughs> this watch. This, this watch. watch. Butch kills the guy he's he's boxing with and screws over Marcellus Wallace. When he gets into the taxi cab, it's not my favorite part of the whole movie. No, I still no. I still like it, but I get Ken what you said earlier about how Vincent's part where he's in front of the black and white screen, it works. It's color with Vincent. It's yeah, oh, that's right. It's very Lynchian. Yeah, black and white with this one. This it feels off. It's Hitchcock, man. He's doing it. Yeah, back when there. It, it starts with I the cab to... driver too. I don't like her either. This all could have just been cut. Absolutely, hundred percent. You could have him just in the taxi, getting out, putting the gloves, and having the radio on, talking about how yeah. the person died. Well, because and we'll talk about. It, I'm sure. Yeah, like, we'll talk about it. He goes in the taxi and he goes on the payphone. And that's when you find out all the bets against him. You know, like he bet he bet for himself. So all these bets were made for him to win, and so he's making all that money. So all the he got money from Marcellus Wallace, obviously handed him the cash to throw. And he's it making all this money. Yep, and then he's yeah. got all this money for him winning. All all the bets they made on him winning, and that's 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 all you need. Drag, so drag another half hour into the movie. And if you watch the deleted scenes, yeah, I've seen Jesus, some of the deleted scenes. One one Jesus. of the deleted scenes was when he's buying the heroin. But there was yep. uh, extended on that, and when they're also, and I was uh, going to say, it, are you um, an Elvis? Are you an Elvis or a Beatles man? Yeah, there was the Elvis and the Beatles man, and even uh, when they're at the restaurant, it's extended a little bit out. So. Yeah, because that's she mentions him being an Elvis guy in the mm-hmm. um, theatrical cut. Yeah, yeah. I I like the character, the taxi I think driver. Her, yeah, Bialogos? I think she's what it's like to Bialogos? kill a man. Like every other word. Uh, <laughs> well, what is it like though, to right? kill a yeah. man? This whole section was based off. Of of a short movie that Tarantino had seen. The money he got from Pulp Fiction, he ended up making a whole movie about that character. I mean, it's... That's right. Yeah, I heard about that. Yes. It, or he funded a movie there. that was yeah. based off of the character. I just think the scene is, is just awful. I'm sorry. It's it's no good. It's too long. <laughs> it's not Highly needed not at needed. all. You could have shaved just, off 20 minutes easy. We could just heard the radio say that he won the fight and killed yep. the man in the ring, which, again, but we I don't do even, a little dialogue. I don't even think you needed to have them say he killed the man in the ring, because here's the other problem. You killed the man in the ring, 
there's more heat on you than just Marcellus. The boxing commission, sports and ge- oh, the boxing yeah. sports in general are going to be looking for you at your apartment, every place they can find you because there's going to be an inquiry, and you're not going to just be able to disappear. But they don't talk about we don't that know what happened though at all. They, yeah, we don't know ultimately what ends. Was up. a towel thrown? Was you know, it's like Rocky. Four. Yeah, and where where is exactly, he going? Right? Nashville he dies, he dies. or something? They say that they were going to go Tennessee. to Costa Rica hmm. or Bora Bora. Eventually, Bora Bora. Yes. Eventually, yeah, that's. They were kind yeah, of eventually. throwing names out there, and that's the other thing. I yeah, hate. they were right going to disappear. This ta- after this taxi scene, we get this. Oh, honey, I'm home. Let's let's lay down and and then we'll have sex yeah. and all that stuff. And I'm just I'm thinking, sweaty from a fight. this is yeah. so freaking boring. Just move you kiss on it? already. That's my favorite line. I, I'm enjoying this movie up until this point, and now this movie has to get me back into the movie again because it's taking too darn long for all this to play out. I don't need to know about his girlfriend. The girlfriend doesn't matter at all. All you need to do with her is tell him that she forgot the watch. That's it. And yeah. the taxi driver, don't need her. No, all you need is him going to the taxi. I don't mind hearing the radio they killed him. That's right. fine. Because then he shows him he doesn't have no remorse. It's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then him on the payphone, so you know that he's making more money from the bets. Go to the hotel. He's got a girlfriend. Give me two minutes. You know, I don't need about know about a pot belly. Yeah, and right, that's right. it. If, yeah. if there is one indulgent part of the movie it's it's here we get to see more of butch and who butch is you can debate all day whether or not butch even deserved to have a part here but if you look at this like a novel this could be a chapter of the novel this is a character who he really only has one little interaction it's not the best part of the movie but it leads to one of the most interesting parts of the movie yeah because Marcellus Wallace sicks the dogs on him. I mean, you get to hear Marcellus Wallace tell Vincent and the guy who was the bartender, he tells them he's going to sick the dogs on him. On, on the trainer. Or, yeah, they're going to sick the dogs on the trainer, and he's going to tell trainer. them what's yeah, going on. Poor trainer has no idea. They're going to throw him in the kennel. He says, throw him in the kennel. Guilty by association. Right. Yep. Butch is a selfish person. He leaves his people out to dry. Presumably, you would think that were his friends. He's all about the greed and screwing over Marcellus Wallace. But at the same time, and we've watched enough of these type of movies, these boxing movies where a mobster tries to get the boxer into his, you know, into his pocket, then the boxer is in for life. They don't have a life. They're subject to whatever the mobster wants from them. And so I don't know no, if he's selfish. Yeah, look at Raging Bull. Yeah, look at Raging Bull. I don't think he's selfish here. I think he needs a way out. I don't think he wants yeah. to throw the fight because he's he's a boxer. He has pride. And I think they're referencing <clears throat> his dad. I think he's he's trying to do his dad proud by not doing that, right. not throwing a fight like that. But at the same time, he allows all these peop- other people to get killed based on his decision. I don't think he would have known that the trainer would have gotten into trouble. The guy who was behind the bar basically said, I believe him. I believe he doesn't know anything. Exactly. And Marcellus doesn't yeah. care. He must have scorched the earth or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't go think he scorch means... earth on this motherfucker. And actually, <laughs> earlier when the when the boxer dies, he does say, "Sorry about that." He actually names the boxer by name. I he can't does. remember. He does. So he, yeah. It, but there's nothing he can do. There's nothing, and it wasn't trying to kill him. It's not like that was his goal. But, but then on the phone, he's like, "He shouldn't be in the ring in the first place." That was going to happen, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, this ultimately leads to. The next bit of tension that we have, which is mm. Butch comes to the realization that his girlfriend did not pack the watch. He has to have this watch. <laughs> so this is where he decides to do the probably the dumbest thing of anybody in this movie. He decides to go back to his apartment to get this watch. Second and dumbest thing. 
first is coming up. Yeah, but you know that this is good. This is going to put him in great peril. That's the first place they're going to look for him is going to be at his apartment. That's why he so, goes kind of like a couple blocks down. Right, and he sneaks his way in there. And, he doesn't um, do a good job sneaking in. And, the fact that well, Vincent doesn't hear him come freaking into the apartment. Before you get there, one of the cool things is the universe building is as Bruce Willis is walking down past one of the apartments on, I guess, somebody's TV or radio, they're doing a commercial for Jackrabbit Slims. Yes, it's a change because they really, said the nearest. The nearest, yes. That's so. I thought that was just cool. But yeah, he walks into the apartment. The apartment's not that big. How Vincent didn't hear him come into the apartment? He grabs the watch. My dad actually had that little kangaroo. Um, oh, I thought you said first that your dad had a watch had a that watch came on his ass. <laughs> no, yeah, in Hanoi. No, he actually had that. He actually had that little kangaroo. And then Butch decides to have pop tarts. Uh, had Butch just had Butch just toaster left. pastries. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That is so stupid. Well, he thinks he's in the clear. He's like, oh, he thinks cool. he's in the clear. He yeah. thinks he's made it. And that's when he sees the gun. I don't know if it's an Uzi or a Tech Nine. It was a and badass gun. Let's just put it I, that way. I think it was a Tech Nine, man. I think it was a yeah. silencer. Yeah, it was like one of those and guns that they would use in the Expendables. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it has a silencer on it and. And we don't know who's there, but we know somebody's there. And, of course, then we see that it's Vincent Vega. And Bruce Willis shoots Vincent Vega. And the stupidest and the way to die. Pops and there. that sucks. Yeah, it does. Because um, we've become kind of attached to Vincent. He's made it out of that horrible situation that he had with Mia to go out like this. It kind of sucks. And the next um, situation that we're going to talk about with uh, yeah, shooting the, the guy in the face. Yeah. All that happened yeah. before this. Yeah. yeah. And so, also going into the restaurant and the, the restaurant being held that's up. That's true. Now, does Butch shoot him if the Pop-Tarts doesn't pop up? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't even um, eat the Pop-Tarts for crying out loud. He should have just grabbed them. Yeah, I know. He leaves them. He leaves them there. But and, he, then, and he cleans it down, but he has a hand on it while he's cleaning it down. And he doesn't I clean know. down the yeah, part where he has his hand. There's a little bit of, like I said, this, there's a little problematic in here. He's a boxer. Exactly. I'm okay with him right, right. leaving well, his he tucks prints. his sleeve. He puts his sleeve on his hand. And then he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vincent is the wily e. coyote of hired hitmen, to, to put it mildly. But oh poor Butch God, here. Butch escapes all of this and only to pull up to an intersection and have Marcellus Wallace walk right in front of him. And <laughs> he chooses to hit him with the car. I think it's the he right goes, decision at that time. I think so. It, but he goes barreling into this intersection. Yeah, singing flowers on the wall. Flowers on the wall, right. <laughs> it would have been so easy for Quentin to do the natural action movie thing where the car goes into an intersection and goes through the intersection and never gets hit. Or two other cars swerve yeah. and they hit yep. each other. Quentin makes a decision here to have the car T-bone him, which is a real, here again, a real life situation problems with this because you have an accident you have witnesses you even have a lady and, who gets shot and there's no cops around it's welcome LA. to la, it's LA. kathy um, griffin man kathy yeah, yeah, oh, yeah she was there, there. kathy, kathy, griffin. kathy oh, griffin's first uh first part what, what is marcel carrying there like donuts and coffee or something yeah, yeah, he's, donuts, donuts, yeah he's got donuts yeah. and coffee Mother- why is motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> why is marcellus wallace carrying i love it i know uh pastries and coffee is Butch driving around his office area? I mean, I yeah. Meanwhile, he has like a like Malibu like house or wherever he lives. Maybe he's going back to Butch's apartment. You know. never get to have an idea of how far Butch has traveled before he runs into and runs over Marcellus Wallace, as if the thing couldn't get any crazier. 
they run into this pawn shop and Butch is beating the hell out of Marcellus. And that's when Maynard pulls the gun on them to stop them from hurting each other. Yeah, they got flies and, and web. Yeah, spider, and, spider costume flies. Yeah. Right. And Maynard makes the very interesting decision to knock them both out. Well, he doesn't and, knock them both out. I think Marcellus is already Marcellus knocked gets knocked out. out by Butch. Yeah, but yeah, he he the takes the butt end of the shotgun and knocks Butch out because Butch is about to shoot his fucking face off, man. Yeah, and Butch and Marcellus then wake up with ball gags in their mouth. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and this is enter me in the theater. We're going eight right? And it's like, what in the hell is going on now? That's just a typical and Friday night for Ted back in the nineties. Yeah. yeah and that's hanging on the walls. Yeah. I think a senior or junior in high school. I had no idea what this shit was. I, I'm from little I'm a little bitty town in Illinois and that's I have where no it mostly idea. happens, Ted. Exactly. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> it didn't happen in my neighborhood, I know that. I think you were some repressed feeling. Yeah, Crazy memory. man. Memory loss and, at an older age. And so we meet Zed, who I guess is a security guard. I think I, that's all he is. Watching this this time, rewatch. I thought he was a cop. Like I, I thought he was, he was a sheriff. Too. I always I thought he was a cop too until I Same saw this says security guard. It's, like, it's so cheesy looking. It's like entering into a just a, a weird ass dream. And then Zed comes in, and I don't know. Somebody want to describe how this <clears throat> all goes because it, it's the oh, most it's a rape scene. They're yeah. deciding who they're going to rape. They play Eeny well, Meeny Miny Mo. First, he brings out the gimp. Yeah, you ain't yeah, you, the yeah. They brought out the and gimp that shot, which like just behind them. You know, Marcellus Wallace is like kind of trying to look. Like you know, he right. has, they have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I love their looks though. Fucking, once they see him, though, it's like yeah, oh, yeah they're like the they're like oh this? shit, we're it looks in... of a trunk with a cage on top, <laughs> right? And right. like this six foot five motherfucker in leather comes yeah. out. It's better Mumbles. wake up the gimp then. So I will bet you um, in the theater people were just losing it, huh? No, I'm telling you, man. I was. I was, was it just you? My heart was pounding, man. It was nuts. Here. Escape scene was more intense because I was like, "Oh my god, what the uh, fuck's gonna happen?" Like it was. It it is. It's so intense. It, and they when they shut the door and then they start oh, yeah. Comanche, um, Comanche, and you're hoping that Butch can get out. He knocks the gimp out because the gimp's got the zipper over his mouth, which is <laughs> again really stupid on their part. He's chained. He's chained. The cool thing though is Bruce Willis can leave, and he can leave Marcellus Wallace here, but yeah. Butch has humanity and he goes i can't in good conscience leave this guy behind even though he wants to kill me yeah getting raped on a pommel horse <laughs> like you said adam this is so awesome his progression here he's got the hammer no what else baseball bat. not the hammer so <laughs> baseball he, bat. he goes to the baseball bat you're like okay but in the background you see the <laughs> chainsaws Oh, dude, take the chainsaw. He like, picks up the chainsaw and he does the, the yeah. Doom and Duke Nukem thing with it. But then he sees he sees the samurai sword, the katana. That's, yeah, that, which that's which the hey, right there. Is that, is that, is that a Hanzo sword? Yeah. It's, <laughs> Maybe. I've searched for whether or not it's a Hanzo sword. It's um, sharpened. It's definitely sharpened. It's sharpened like a Hanzo sword. I'll say that it is. It's more I fun agree. that way if it is. I wish they would, he would just came in with the chainsaw. But then that would make noise. That make noise. Yeah, he yeah, that, that would have made noise. No, they would even hear it anyway. In this movie, you can't even hear somebody come into a room. <laughs> well, 
Maynard, whoever his name is, from he's licking his chops. Yeah, he's like, yeah, him. yeah, do it, man. Oh yeah, do yeah, it, he's he's so he's real into this. And yeah, until he sees Marcellus's yeah. face when Bruce Willis comes yeah. in, and he's like, I love it. He's all like looking over. It. Yeah, and he slices him, slices him, and dices and then does him. The, and... I didn't like yeah. the sword behind the back, kind of in the oh, gut type of well, thing. Well, it's like that's, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a little cheesy. A little yeah, bit, that's, but, that's Tarantino. Yeah, doing that's old school. Old school. Um, I don't <laughs> mind if you know how to use a sword like that, yeah. but I don't think Butch has ever used a sword like that before. <laughs> but then that leads, of course, then Marcellus gets away from Zed and shoots him, and in he the gets, he's going to get mid- he's going to get medieval on his ass. Yeah, right. You're like, think, yeah, Marcellus Wallace. One of my favorite lines <laughs> in the movie is. Oh, that one. I'm going to get some pipe beaten. Yeah. And then yeah. He's like, he's like what now? And he does his whole ass. spiel. And Butch yeah. is like, I mean, about us. He's like, oh, that. Oh, that us. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. But this, this is another part that I, I feel like it's a little awkward in this type. We didn't mention it. Well, it is beginning. awkward. Ken, well, not, guy not got just, ripped in the ass. Not, not talking about just that. I'm talking about <laughs> the use of the N-word throughout this whole scene. Because the N-word is used a lot by a bunch of white well, men. Well, that's here, they're fucking hillbilly motherfuckers, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's where you know there's Not a difference. Not just by hillbillies, though. We we see Quentin do it later on, and we do hillbilly. Well, do. yeah, but the, you can tell the different ways that it's used. The way it's described is when it's used by white guys with the hard R at the end. That's when you know you're dealing with racists. If the R is not as hard I feel like at the Quentin end, said the R though. I really do, I, but I think it's just him pronouncing it. It's, Who knows? He, you know that. Quentin is more familiar I, with. I Jules. didn't go to school for they that, have, so I don't know if you're right or wrong for the pronunciation of that word. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to use the word, but I have no. We're um, not. It's I used. I had them, but in the '90s, I used it. I admit it because it was one of those words that your friends just thought it was fun to say against each other. We didn't think it was a racist slur. It was well, just one of those. We were using it where I grew up. It was not in a. Yeah, Friendly movies like this don't help, type. though, because um, at the time, right, like, oh, right. that's cool. Like, he's saying it, that's cool. And in fact, it might right, be yeah. this kind of movie that made it seem like it was cool to say it, and that it Absolutely, wasn't racist, yeah. that it was yeah. just a word to yeah. say. And it there's two friend. different ways to use it. Well. But the Pulp Fiction proves that there's two different ways to use it. There's a, the right way to use it, and then there's the I'm a racist bastard way to use it. And that's that's Zed and Maynard. Well, There's I no don't know. I think Quentin, when he says it, it it's it, even though he's married to an African American woman, but he like also least... has familiarity with jewels. Between yeah, those but two what characters. he is saying is offensive. He's not talking to him like my, and he uses the he's he's yeah. saying that my place you know, have is a... not a place to dump. You know, right, it's yeah. That's that's kind of a racist. That's being racist. It's, in that it is one of the more off-putting. It's Tarantino in the '90s being it's having the shock value, I mean, right? Really, at the end of the day, and it's, because it is, it it's, well. it's very it shocking. Well. <laughs> so Butch and Marcellus end up on good, I guess, as good terms as possible here, and Butch is ostracized from. LA and LA. He loses lets, LA he, privileges. Steals the motorcycle, picks up the girl, and seals. Uh, Eric, it's, it's a, a chopper. chopper. It's a chopper. chopper. If Butch did not escape, you know, he'd be next, right? Yeah, he mm-hmm. kind of knew that. Would they be killed afterwards? Most likely. Yeah. Is I would that, imagine. Is that their MO? So. Yeah. I don't would know. Would it so. be another gimp? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you have to like it to be a, a gimp. I'm not sure, but <laughs> the gimp. I think the gimp liked his role. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was laughing. Yeah, he, he was, was he was it. into it. I don't think you're just tacitly <laughs> involved at that point. Yeah. Here's the I, thing, though: they, they don't check gonna. to see who they have 
it sounds like Marcellus is well known in the area because when they ask Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy knows. Right. Jimmy knows who well, he is. But Jimmy Jimmy's also knows Jules. Yeah, but Jimmy also knows Jules. Business. Yeah. But there's other people that seem to know him too. They don't seem hip to the scene. Like you're in LA and you have these hillbillies essentially. Right. Next. And ultimately what this whole scene is an homage to is deliverance. That's exactly what this Absolutely. is. Whereas Quentin down the line in other movies is people have problems with the fantasies of what should have happened like with Hitler and Inglorious Bastards or Love the it. family in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin's saying this is what should have happened to the, the rednecks in Deliverance. Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty should have went uh, medieval on their ass. Don't need him to go back and pick her up. We don't need to know that. We, we can assume went out of yeah. town. But you get the iconic line, but Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah, I can, I can risk that one cool. iconic line for this. I can yeah, add that scene. That's cool. That scene only, yeah. that's fine. Now we're on to the, what's really the the last section of the movie here, which is the Bonnie situation where we end up back in the the original apartment and Jules is, and Vincent have just dispatched of Brett. And then Alexis Arquette comes barreling out of the bathroom with a hand cannon he had a 357 didn't he i mean that so. was a that pretty was, big gun that was, that's a, what he that was a dirty harry dirty gun. harry yeah dirty harry style yep and jules is convinced that it was a miracle that they didn't get shot what the miracle was was that there was bullet holes behind them before he actually shot at them i can never decide if that's a fail or if that's a movie mistake mm-hmm. or if it, they had holes in their apartment to begin with i think it's a um, movie mistake just because of the fact that we're supposed to assume that those bullets were supposed to hit them, and somehow um, they did a JFK miracle bullet and go around them. But this leads to the discussion that's going to dictate really the last part of the the movie, which is, was this a miracle that they lived? After they've dispatched of Brett and everybody in the apartment except for Marvin, you figure they're going to Marcellus Wallace's to dump off the briefcase and Marvin wherever, and... John Travolta shoots Marvin in the face, and every time it happens, I laugh my ass oh, off. His, his uh, trigger control is uh, lacking. <laughs> Again, it's another the, reason why the... he probably has to go to Amsterdam <laughs> if he doesn't get killed yeah. by the end of this it's film. It's the so. damnedest <laughs> thing ever. He just shoots Marvin in the face. Which, so then, technically, entry, exit, yeah, they would get anything would, in the front. I have no idea. At least not as much but... as they show. Yeah, yeah but the exit uh, wound only. Yeah. Pretty much, you pretty much so he's cleaning the car up. Obviously, I'm on brain detail. Right. You should yeah. be on brain detail. <laughs> I'm a pancake laying motherfucker. No, mushroom, mushroom, just cloud mushroom, laying mushroom cloud laying motherfucker. You just like anything with and a pancake so, thing in it. So here again, why does Marcellus like Vincent? Because Vincent doesn't seem to be good at what he does. Maybe he's loyal. Maybe that's what he likes about it. I think it's right. And that's probably what it is. But he is not a good hitman. He's easily offended. Yeah, Yeah, really. Um, He has no reason for his finger to be on the trigger. Marvin isn't going anywhere. He wasn't holding him as to keep him there. He was asking him a question. Right. He was asking him about... just put his hand on the back seat of the car. He was asking about the miracle, and he's like, no, I don't have an opinion on this. And he was just (laughs) staying out of it, because if he said (laughs) probably the wrong thing, he probably would have shot him anyway. At the very very least, Vincent should have had the safety on. Um, (laughs) Should probably not even have the gun in his hand. There was no reason to even have the gun in his hand. That's a very good point, too, but it's still funny. So we meet Jimmy. Jimmy is Jules's friend, and so they have to figure out a way to get this car detailed. His racist um, friend. The only friend he has is the 818, right? 
They're so, washing their hands again, the blood all over the... Yeah, yeah. Right. The, the, and the here bell. again, that's another... It's one of those little things. It adds so much to these characters. But then the, we meet the wolf. Harvey Keitel. Winston Wolf, Harvey Keitel. Oh. You're talking about cool? This is the essence of cool. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Harvey yeah. Keitel is the man. And I'm there right now at that era. An yes. actor in a sex with my favorite car at yeah. that time. Oh, it's and that was before awesome the movie. Car. Before the movie, yeah. I love that. I used to play Need for Speed, PlayStation yep. One, like Akron SX. I loved it, and seeing it in the movie, I was going nuts. Which doesn't so, fit the movie. If you think about it, that car does not fit. Not at all. Winston Wolf is awesome. Oh, he's man. he's obviously Marcellus Wallace's cleaner, and his whole and a well-known with, cleaner at that. Yes. Yeah, because Jules is like the wolf. Oh. Yeah, he yeah, all you had to say. <laughs> that's all you had to Shit. say. Shit, That's so, all you had to say. What I like about Mr. Wolf, oh. though, is if you give him respect, you, you get to call him right. by his first name. You get to call him Winston. Winston. And, the, and that's the you going back to Jules. Like, he's yelling at Marcellus on the phone. And Marcellus is all cool. He's, and he's cool. like, yeah, he respects yeah. him. It's like, yeah. He let Jules and nope. Vincent call him. Until the end. Until the end. Until the end. Until when, they've when they done what he respect. said. And then he right. says, Jimmy, like he gives, let Jimmy say it early on. Right. Because right. Jimmy yeah. right away gives, you know, gets him the coffee, does whatever Gourmet he has. Jimmy. Yeah. Gourmet. He's like, mm. I like how he like, <laughs> like the coffee too. He doesn't say it. He just goes, yeah. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt Jenny. Yeah. And, and Jenny and Connor, Uncle Connor. <laughs> yeah. Or something, yeah. <laughs> Take it, they didn't have Conrad. money. Well, yeah. Your uncle Marcellus, he does. You like, so, oak? Yeah. you an oak man? You an oak man? <laughs> you know, yeah. He gets this cleaned up for him. He puts Jules and Vincent to work, and they have to clean up the car. You know, the and in an amount of time of 40-some-odd yeah. minutes. So they, they clean that car yeah, up they, real fast. A lot yeah. of it, though, is they got the bad yeah. uh, spreads. A once-over. Yeah, once-over. Once-over. They get all the brain in the school. Pool. The pool. Yeah. And yeah. then they get the, get hosed down, and... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but if you get hosed down with the jerry curl, doesn't the jerry curl go away? Like, doesn't it get I have no idea. Flat? I thought that was the case. <laughs> we are four white men. We have no idea what happens to the jerry curl if it gets wet it's like soul that. soul glow. So, Stain couches so, and yeah. doors. <laughs> They're your clothes, motherfucker. Right. Yeah, yeah, I love, that's the best I love, love that. Doors. This whole sequence here is another one of my favorite oh, parts so of the good. movie. It's, the but interactions then, are classic. The, when we get past the butch part, this is what gets me back into the movie. Yeah, you know, we are absolutely. introduced to these characters yeah. again. Like you said, Ted, it's funny when we get shot in the you know, and just how John Travolta says it. It's just it's, it's oh, funny. I and, shot Marvin in the face. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> is this the first time when you realize it's out of it's out of order? Yes, I like, think really? so. This movie is one of those movies where you have to go back and piece it together. Even now, when I'm doing the podcast, I'm losing my track of when something is yep, introduced. Exactly, it can get a little confusing, and then sometimes I don't think it works really well. But in some cases that works really well. I do like the bookends because I do like them finishing off with this and then the restaurant. From here on out, this movie is golden. So I'm very happy that Butch is out of the picture here. I like Bruce Willis. It should have been much smaller and we needed to get back to the people to that our, we really care about. Characters. But these interactions here, it feels like real interactions with real people. I've always wondered this too. Is Monster Joe with car crushing in the salvage yard? Is that Joe from Reservoir Dogs? There's an extended scene that shows they have the conversation in his office before okay. he goes out and sees the daughter. And... So he wouldn't be the same Joe that was dead at the end of Reservoir Dogs. No, it's not the same Joe. And then Jules and Vincent decide to go to breakfast, and they happen to go to breakfast at the same diner that our two original characters, Honey Bunny and... Pumpkin. Um, pumpkin. Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. It all Ringo. comes up the... Ringo. Ringo. Yeah. Hey, Ringo. Ringo. 
they're holding up the diner. Jules being a person that could have went off the handle here and just dispatched of both of them. He decides to play it cool and let them live. It's an amazing human moment that Jules has. And this is the scene he should have won best supporting actor just for this scene. His work in the whole movie is awesome. But this scene at the end where he's describing his speech is Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Outside of the Christopher Walken speech, that is the moment where you really get an awesome piece of acting from Samuel L. Jackson. Does a great job right off the bat. Even when they're robbing him, he's in control of the whole situation. And of course, Vincent's in the bathroom because course, that's what right. Vincent does. Because that's what Vincent does. Even when they're sitting there and, and they're having the breakfast before the holdup happens, it's a real life interaction. This whole random thing has happened to them in this past like two hours of their life. That's crazy. They're sitting there talking about why Jules eats bacon or not. Um, Bacon's good. It's awesome. It's a breakup at the end of the day for a relationship. Yeah, they're not going to see each other maybe ever again. Jules is going (laughs) to wander the world like Kung Fu. Came from Kung Fu. I wonder, though, when Jules finds out later on that Vincent dies, does Jules feel bad about it? Because if he was there, that wouldn't happen. You never know. That's one of those questions that... You know, is left to us, but I'm glad we've never gotten to to know that. How many people own bad motherfucker wallets after this movie? And the <laughs> even cooler thing is that was yeah. Quentin's real wallet. That's <laughs> right. awesome. Right. That's but... a baller move to have <laughs> bad motherfucker on your wallet. And I've wanted one ever since. Does he tell him to leave the wallets on the counter and walk out? No. He says, "You take the wallets. So that's a pretty good score." Between my wallet and all okay. these other wallets and the register, you're good to go, man. What did he yeah, say that to put back on the put back the on the counter? Briefcase. The briefcase. Case. All that matters. Was it just the briefcase? I thought he yeah. said the wallets. Take all the wallets. Take my money. You, you guys get out. It's a pretty good score. And actually, I noticed when I rewatched it last night, the first scene in the movie, and I could be making this up, but I, you could hear for a second Samuel Jackson mm-hmm. talking in the background. It's the little things like that that keep everything. And we'll even forgive the fact that Amanda Plummer says something different here yeah, than she does, she does yeah, at the beginning. Does. I love it so much, though. It needs to be that at the beginning of the movie because a, that's what purpose? grabs knows, you. Right? It grabs you by your shirt collar or your balls and just says, you're yeah. in for a ride. Get ready. Yeah. And we're here. It's just part of the scene. Full um, circle, man. Well, let's, talk, then, about and, the, and let's we're talk about done. the soundtrack. This soundtrack is awesome. You got Cool and the Gang. You've got the Stadler Brothers. Urge Overkill. I Dick mean, Dale. yeah, Dick I didn't Dale. like their Jovakil song. I hate, I, I honestly like, listen, oh, you watching don't like now, that like, version? Right, now I'm like, cool. But like back then yeah. it was on the radio, that yeah. was the only radio song, right? Because it was a, right. it was a modern song for oh, yeah. video on MTV. Yeah. Overplayed. Yeah. I fucking hated it. Oh yeah. Then I hated it. Now I'm like, all right. I used to do the urge overkill <laughs> version of, oh, yeah. of the song at karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean the soundtrack. Yeah. I own the CD, but, you know, back in the day when movies like clerks, clerks soundtrack, I had the clerks yeah. soundtrack. I had this soundtrack. I mean, when you had like clips from the movie in the soundtrack, you had right. Oh man, it was blown well, my the, mind. In the soundtrack, the the album was the poster from Pulp Fiction with Uma yeah. Thurman on the cover. Right, and it will look cool. It almost looked cool just oh, to yeah. have the art cover. This is all released before the movies. They always release them before the movies. So you get a little taste of the movie right. here in the clips. That's how I memorized the whole Royale with Cheese whole yeah, bit. Absolutely. And that's why to this day, when I watch the movie, there's parts of the movie I can recite just right off the top. And it's because it was all on the soundtrack. One of the things that Quentin does exceptionally well in a Scorsese kind of way, the music is just, it fits the entire mood and the scene. 
It's so cool. Scorsese style, yeah. And I think it comes back to the movies that we reviewed before. When we did our director series for a while, we talked about Kubrick, and then we talked about Scorsese and how Scorsese borrowed from Kubrick. And here it seems like Tarantino is then borrowing from Scorsese and possibly Kubrick as well because he's such a film buff. And we also talked about Scorsese being a film buff. And they know how to not copy, but pay homage to those directors, that those styles, the older movies. And that's what I like about Quentin Tarantino. He's a fan. Just like Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese, he's a fan. Knows how to use the music in the movie the right way. Here, Reservoir Dogs, when we have Stuck in the Middle with you. He just knows how to make that work. So soundtracks date movies. Yeah, so you have a lot of movies right. to watch. And there's a soundtrack for that era, and it's very dated. Whereas like a lot of movies that have like scores and strings, that lasts a You're lifetime. talking like all every Kenny Loggins uh, soundtrack that's sure. out there? Right, yeah. Kenny Loggins, yeah. yeah. Footloose, Top Gun. Dated, you know what I mean? Like, so you watch movies, you're like, oh, I love this movie. It's like the soundtrack dates it. Whereas in this movie, despite using songs of certain eras, it doesn't feel dated. The only thing yeah. that makes this movie feel dated is their excitement about the cell phone use. Are you yeah. talking on a cellular phone? <laughs> cellular phone? Yeah. yeah I, I, will, I will say this. I love the fact that, you know, there's Apple Music and Spotify. Of course, Spotify listened to our podcast on Spotify. But Get that contract. Exactly. Get the what, Get the what, <laughs> what sucks is the death of this, the movie soundtrack on these digital download formats. You can't go to Apple and listen to the soundtrack of Pulp Fiction. Because I wanted to do that the other day just for... No, yeah, Spotify, same way. People people make their own playlists for it. It doesn't have the clips from the movie in it. That's what kind of makes the soundtrack so great. And it just, it adds that just much color. Dan DeVito is the executive producer of this movie. Yes, yes. One of those crazy things, yes. He's produced a lot of movies. And Harvey Keitel, of course, was a major executive producer for Reservoir Dog. And the Harvey Keitel and the Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino connection there, too. And uh, Bruce Willis and Travolta, look who's talking once again. (laughs) Talk about your classic movies there, yeah. Wow. (laughs) If I could only sit down and have a conversation with one person, I would want to have a conversation with Quentin Tarantino. This is the one man he would talk over you the whole time. And I would listen. (laughs) If there was, if there's one person in the world that I would want to sit down and have a conversation with, it would be him. Didn't Joe Rogan already talk to him? Joe Rogan talks to everybody. I will say if you watch the extras of this Blu-ray, you get Quentin Tarantino talk about the deleted scenes and this, the way he talks about movies when he's talking about deleted scenes is interesting enough. It's amazing. I understand your choice because I do think he's an interesting person because, again, he's a fan of movies. You don't even have to talk to him about his movies. If you talk about right. other oh. movies, I think he even will get but more he's at excited. But he's at a whole other level. He'll talk to you about music, too. He's my favorite person living right now. I love wow. Quentin Tarantino. I John, love everything I I that he does. I thought I was. I thought your he, wife was, too. I'm going to have to tell her. He is quoting the movie. That's he a bold awesome. statement. He's one of my favorite human beings I would give just about. I thought I was going to say I would die for him. I would die for him. Would, <laughs> would you give up your soul uh, into a, a suitcase for it? Possibly. That's how much I would love to meet and talk to Quentin Tarantino. No, just sign right here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about our reviews. Let's kick it off with Ken. Ken, what do you think of it? I like Quentin Tarantino movies. I like Pulp Fiction. I do enjoy this movie. I love the characters like Samuel Jackson in the role. I like John Travolta up to a certain point. I know this is his big comeback movie. Maybe it's 
look who's talking, but that definitely was wasn't look who's talking too, or the third <laughs> one that they had. That was that's pretty atrocious. Uh, the cast is great. I love the dialogue, jumping from scene to scene to scene. But there are problems with the movie, unfortunately. The Butch storyline, there's a lot of that could be cut. That's not needed. This movie is a little long. And I just want to get back to our hitmen. I love both of them. I, I didn't like to see Vincent dying in the in this movie, especially the way he died. It was just stupid, in my opinion, that he leaves this massive gun while he goes takes a crap. You think he's coming back, right? That's why you're taking a crap. I'm assuming that you're just going to stay there waiting for him to come back. So you're just going to conveniently leave the gun out there. Not just a small gun where it might easily be passed by. The most noticeable gun in the history of noticeable guns. That's my problem here is Vincent is not very bright as a hitman. Now, that makes me believe that he went to Amsterdam because he did something stupid and had to lay low in another country for a while because he's not a very good hitman. Are they hitmen at the end of the day, though? You know what I mean? Or just guys who just needed to do one thing and let's get a uh, briefcase back. We really don't know. And for the most part, we don't need to know. But for character development, I do like a little bit background. But I have a bigger problem with Bruce Willis scenes. The dialogue with him, except for the Zen chopper thing, outside of that, I could care less what Bruce Willis has to say throughout this movie. I'm not the biggest Harvey Keitel fan in the world. I don't dislike him, but he's not like one of my favorite guys in the world. But here, I adore him. I love his character. He's I perfect. love everything yeah. there is about him in this movie. To the final review on this from me, it's a B. I think if you trimmed it down a little bit, remove some of the stuff from Bruce Willis, if you want to replace that a little bit with a, maybe a story about Vincent on why he was in Amsterdam, there's a deleted scene from the restaurant when him and Mia are talking and they find out that they actually know the same people in Amsterdam and hang out yeah. at the same restaurant or bar. That could have been an interesting thing. And I would rather have played off of that than listen to anything about Butch's character. But at least we get wonderful Christopher Walken's speech about putting a watch up a butt. For me, at the end of the day, I like it. Will I watch it again? Yeah. It's a fun movie. Will I fast forward the parts with Bruce Willis? Hell yeah. And that's why I'm giving it a B. Adam, you're up. What do you think? 1994, 15-year-old Adam. It's an A+. plus. It blew my fucking mind. The rewatches through those years, yeah. It's steady A, 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 A. Watching it now... 2022, yeah, I, I think I would go with Ken. I think it's a B, maybe B plus. The scenes, the drag, drag. Back then, I guess maybe I didn't pay attention, and I was just too like, oh my god, this is insane. Whereas now, it's like, okay, yes, it should be a two-hour movie. I think it should be on AFI. I don't care, 99 or fucking 50 or whatever. Yeah, it's cinematic history, American cinematic history, right? It, it defines the 90s. It kind of invented indie movies in general. Think about all the copycats after that. And all the copycats after that, what do they focus on? They focus on the violence and all that shit. But Tarantino, this movie, even though it's got the, the violence and, and everything, it still has a lot more depth to it that these copycats didn't focus on. It's a big deal. The movie's a big deal. Americans don't know what to do with this movie. You know, Europeans are like, yeah, this is great. Best movie. Cans. Done. You know, Americans are like, whoa, hold up. But, you know, it got there. But the Academy, they couldn't handle that. You know, I mean, it was there because it's a word of mouth movie. You know I mean? It's a, it's a word of mouth movie. I say now it's a B plus. It still holds up. Like Ken said, you got these actors, Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman. It's a great movie. Because of all the things that you said, what defines this movie is the ability to quote it. This is such a oh. quotable movie. It's a pop culture icon. I mean, this yes. is... I understand why it's on a top 100 list of you know, greatest it's, movies of yeah. all time. Because... I guarantee it's top 10 influential. You know what I mean? At least in modern, modern cinema. It's insane. So I agree with everything you guys have said. 
This is an incredible movie. I think the cast is incredible. These are all movie lines that we can quote. Everyone knows them. This movie really put Quentin Tarantino on the map. It's a movie that everyone knows. You say Pulp Fiction, everyone knows it. Everyone can quote a line from it or something. It's a movie I haven't seen in a couple years, and I watched it a couple times over the last week. And you know, every time I watch this movie, I loved it more and more and more. I think we can all agree that the Bruce Willis scenes really are not needed. It's something that probably could have been shaved off, you know, save about 30 minutes of this movie. But honestly, as I'm watching it, by the time the movie's over, I'm like, oh, 240? Gee, okay. It kind of rolled by me. It really did. Yeah, I agree. Didn't. Yeah. The scenes that were kind of dragged were not like movies, scenes that dragged in other movies. This one kind of played out well. It's an incredible movie. It's one that I'm really glad we've done. Definitely going to see this one again. I might actually go out and buy a Blu-ray copy of it. I love this movie. It's got a few few little slight misses to it. But overall, geez, I'd probably put this top 25 for me. It's high. It's up there. For all that, I'm giving this one an an A-. minus, Solid A-. And all right, we're going to end it with Ted. It's his director. It's his baby. I think we already know what it's going to be, but let's hear him say it. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this movie, it literally changed how I watch movies. And it opened up Quentin Tarantino. And because of Pulp Fiction, I've seen everything that he's done. And I've seen everything that he's done multiple times. I don't even know how many times I've seen Pulp Fiction. If it's not over 100, it's close. Every couple months, I pull this movie out and I watch it. Why? Because I absolutely adore this movie. I understand the criticisms of the, especially the Bruce Willis part. It's not the best part of the movie. It still fits for me. It still works. As far as my top five movies go, this is right up there. We've hit two of them before we hit Casablanca, and now we've hit Pulp Fiction. This is as important to me, especially at that time of my life. It's never ceased to be a part of my life. This is a movie that both my wife and I both quote back and forth to each other. Even if we haven't seen the movie for like two or three months, we still quote it back and forth to each other, whether it's the Jimmy scenes or just a random line from the movie. Something as stupid as when Mia and Vincent are in the Jackrabbit Slims And she says something to him and he goes, well, I have my moments. I use that on almost a daily basis. If somebody like says something, it just comes out of my mouth because that is how ingrained this movie is into my life. It's rare that I go a couple months without watching this movie. Quentin has done a lot of really good movies. Once Upon a Time is right up there with this, but this, this is his masterpiece. The fact that Samuel L. Jackson didn't win uh, an Oscar for this movie is wrong, in my opinion. It was undoubtable that this was going to win Best Original Screenplay. I mean, because nothing has come, especially in 1994, even came close to an original idea like this. I think Quentin Tarantino, at the end of the day, is probably the best director of our generation, hands down. I don't even think it's close. I will say that Samuel Jackson did have some really strong competition that year with Martin Lando winning for Ed Wood. You also had oh, man. Chaz, Ed Wood is um, awesome. Paul Turner for Bolts Over Broadway, Paul Schofield for Quiz Show, Gary Cease for Forrest Gump. There was some really I, good, good competition there that year. Good too. performances there, and I get it. Yeah. None of those movies are Pulp Fiction. For my taste, they pale in comparison to Pulp Fiction. I think Shawshank should have won Best Picture. can say without a shadow of a doubt, if somebody decided to make up a Jackrabbit Slims, my ass would be there every fucking weekend eating whatever at Jackrabbit Slims. I don't care. 
And even even now, in the days of like the pop-up restaurants that happen, you get them in Chicago and all over the place, there'll be a pop-up. Like there was a Friends pop-up thing. There was a Saved by the Bell pop-up thing. (laughs) And there's Clerks pop-up things. What? Why hasn't there been a pop-up Jackrabbit Slims? There is one in Wisconsin, but I don't think it's the same type of restaurant. It's it's the same name, though. It's the same name, yeah, because I've checked it out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we we wanted to see if there was a restaurant. They've never done that, yeah. Yeah. I've scored the internet looking for one, but this is an A plus plus movie for me. I if there was a way that I could put more of the pluses on it, or if there was something above an A, that's what this is. This is part of me. That's all. Is your number one movie of all time? No, Casablanca is still my favorite movie really? of all time. All right. As far as my top five goes, on any given day, they can be number one. By the time I get to that point, they're interchangeable because they each mean something different to me. Eric, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, it's between Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jaws. It's not, it's not White Lighting? White Lighting or Gator? Oh, Burt Reynolds. You know how much I love my <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Honestly, I like Aliens, man. I ain't gonna lie. Aliens is one Alien or Aliens? Two, James Cameron. Second one? Yes. James Cameron. Second one. That and like Godfather 2 are kind of... Oh yeah, Godfather. Yep. I love Aliens, man. We're going to wrap this up here. We're, we're running uh, pretty long on this one, oh, folks. Yeah. Uh, Ted, where can they find us uh, on Twitter there? Well, we can be found on Twitter at movie underscore marquee with two E's. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. There's a bunch of different places you can listen to us. If you could leave us a five-star review and just a written review, that helps us be able to get seen and... How's yeah. our how's our voting going on Facebook, Ken? All right now on Facebook, and of course you can join us on Facebook by just looking us up, the movie marquee with two E's. And we want to thank you. We've had over twenty five hundred downloads to our podcast. We're just a small podcast, but we're Yay. we're trying to build and we like to thank you guys for helping awesome. in that way. Right now we are doing a Quentin Tarantino four movie set, and we've already chose the three, which right now is the one that you just listened to, Pulp Fiction. Uh, it's going to be followed by both Kill Bill 1 and 2. We're going to do that as a one podcast. So Ooh, that probably damn. might even be longer than this one. <laughs> and then we're going to finish it up with Once Upon a Once Time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, Once Upon man, a Time in Hollywood. It. Love it. Yeah, so we'll finish with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But there, the rest of the movies are out there for you to vote on. Right now, Reservoir Dogs has a considerable lead over Django Unchained. Mm, I know. Come on, Jackie Brown. I don't know. Nobody's voted for Jackie Brown. Brown. I voted for Jackie Brown. So keep the voting up. We appreciate the input. In fact, we appreciate every time you do leave comments for us on Facebook. If you also want to leave us a comment on Anchor, you can go on Anchor and check us out. You can leave a voice message on there, and who knows, maybe we'll play that. And if you don't like to do either one of those, you can feel free to email us at themoviemarquee at gmail.com. Thank you, Ken. And, and thank you, Adam, for joining us as our, no, thank our you celebrity panelist it. here. No, that was fun. Thank you so much. No, it was awesome. We'll, we'll definitely again, invite him back again for another series, maybe. You know, who knows? Over, over the top. I want to do over the top. Over the top. Oh, there we go. There the Sylvester Stallone trilogy. Oh, here. Yeah. Yes. Love it. All right, guys. Well, Bye, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you, and have a pleasant tomorrow, everyone. Take care, guys. See you at the movies. See you next time at the Movie Marquee.